वेलकम टू सिंट टॉक and talkers around the table today discuss the act of madness we'll think about insanity irrationality and mental illness and its links with questions of medicine physiology freedom control knowledge and power why and how do we go mad what exactly is mental illness and why have we institutionalized it What is it like to be inside and outside a mental asylum? What is the experience of madness like? Can one universalize mental illness and is that a problem? Can a free elephant in a jungle, for example, go mad? What is the future of madness, sadness and depression? We are pleased and privileged to have three sin talkers with us here today. Dr. Bhargavi Dawar, who is a survivor of institutions and mental illness and has been working on foundational critiques of uh, mental and behavioral sciences. Dr. Parthasarthi Mondal, who is the chair of Center for Social Theory at TIS in Mumbai. and has a deep interest in working on mental health and its politics and dr alok sarin who's a clinical psychiatrist based in delhi and has been working in areas of mental health legislation and history of psychiatry among others Look, maybe we set the ball rolling with you. Um, um, a straightforward question is: Is has mental illness been defined? Is it straightforward? And how? What has been the journey of that definition? Where are we? Why are we? Where are we? Um, and how dynamic is it where we are today? So, <clears throat> historically, mental illness uh, has uh, perhaps uh, always been present. Uh, with uh, cultures with uh, human cultures mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> and in a sense not necessarily only with human cultures but for the moment let's just restrict it to the human um, the evolution of human culture mm-hmm. uh, definitions of uh, illness and the boundaries have varied uh, with our understandings uh, of what causes it and what uh, and you know with the extents of uh, uh, knowledge in that sense mm-hmm. psychiatry which is the branch of medicine which deals with uh, mental illness mm-hmm. is one of the youngest of the medical disciplines when you say youngest what 40 years old 100 years old 200 years old well as a formal discipline about 50 60 years old sure. but uh, in a sense all medical disciplines uh, not necessarily only of uh, what we would call modern medicine mm-hmm. uh, have always talked about uh, mental illness as part of a gamut of of many other uh, medical afflictions which human beings might uh, suffer from 
as our understandings have grown so uh, as our uh, knowledge has grown in various spheres uh, so have our understandings of mental illness mm-hmm. uh, and we've gone through various and diverse uh, fields we've gone from the theorizing about what causes it to e theoretical representations of symptom of uh, of trying to fit it into criteria trying to diagnose it in various ways uh, of approaching that diagnosis uh, either categorically or syndromally in a it's sense it's interesting you call it a theoretical so uh, a theoretical in the sense that uh, that you see earlier uh, the belief that certain specific uh, reasons were behind mental illness mm-hmm. uh, which were not necessarily substantiated uh, with uh, uh, with say let us say so called scientific evidence mm-hmm. uh, led to a discreditation of uh, of the description itself so the american system of classification which was the diagnostic and statistical dsm manual, the dsm mm-hmm. uh, try to approach it in terms of symptom of mm-hmm. describing various symptoms mm-hmm. uh, and trying to clump them together in in diagnoses uh, according to the sort of symptoms that were present mm-hmm. this was meant to uh, give a sort of a, a scientific uh, uh, underpinning uh, to the whole structure it had its advantages and it had its obvious disadvantages as well because what this did in a sense was to reduce it to the symptom itself yeah and in that sense uh reduced perhaps a larger understanding of where the symptom was coming from mm mm that said that is not the only thing that the diagnostic and statistical manual does mm. uh, because the, the 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 dsm and its subsequent avtars uh, have also done a, a very interesting different thing which is to look at various axes in which uh, uh, these symptoms and everything else around it can be fitted what are these axes so the axis 1 which is the which is the disorder itself mm. will try and uh, help us understand what bipolar disorder is mm. or obsessive compulsive disorder is mm. or schizophrenia is by listing out various categories of that's symptoms that's disorder that's the so called medical disorder sure the axis 2 will help us understanding in understanding the the personality constructs sure. of the individual because all disorder will happen to individuals a person to a people yeah so typhoid when it happens to me or you or x or y or z mm. will may perhaps manifest very differently a mm. migraine i might react differently to a migraine from somebody else's response so what would dsm 5 say about what, what, what are the sub personality types so this the now the understanding of personality types is also in the state of evolution so sure. we try and uh, uh, clump them in various Uh, clusters as it were so there'll be the anxious avoidant personalities there'll be the personalities which are more likely to 
trust other people or distrust other people uh, there'll be people who are more aggressive there'll be people who are more uh, submissive and so in that sense we try and understand what is going on sure there'll be other axes the if if for example there is a medical illness if i'm diabetic and have depression uh, this might affect both my diabetes and my depression so the axis 3 will try and look at the medical, medical underpinnings side of it mm-hmm. the axis 4 is where i am vis-a-vis the world mm-hmm. is the psychosocial the psychosocial mm-hmm. uh, part of it mm-hmm. and an axis 5 is my global functioning uh in the way that i am dealing with uh along with all of these various parts the way i'm i'm dealing with the world mm-hmm. so in one sense what the dsm has done is to narrow down the symptomatic understanding and in another sense to open up a broader uh, vision so has the global bit come in late from dsm 1 to dsm 5 it, it, what was the is, journey it been is, like it has been around for some time in sure. in earlier dsms the uh, usage uh now again the the question is between the tool and the way it is used and my understanding of all that the tool entails and my willingness to use all facets of the tool so it it would be you know naive or simplistic to think of the dsm as a good or a bad thing yeah uh, yeah it has it has complexity it has it has done many things it is certainly far from a perfect uh, diagnostic system there are things that other systems like the international classification of disease the icd will do sure. which the dsm perhaps may not but the dsm offers me also one large complex way of understanding this yeah it it does it is ambitious yes it is certainly yes. it is no interesting i think there's some very interesting thoughts and ideas there partha maybe we jump to you um we've just discussed dsm as a tool what what is madness to you maybe we'll just broaden mental illness and call it madness for a second um how do you what is your take on mental illness what is your take on madness and how physiological is it for you and the way you see it well i mean uh, uh certainly the uh, you know what alok explained here is uh, quite substantial in terms of the explication of the uh, uh, predominant clinical model which is used today i mean the main sure. uh, tool uh, there are a couple of points which i just want to uh, add here which uh, sure. perhaps could uh, sort of elaborate the discussion uh, one is that uh, you know the uh, the classification of disease or the category of a disease or an illness mm-hmm. is something that uh, uh, is uh, not something which can be taken uh, to be uh, sort of uh, as a given as a as a sort of an objective given mm-hmm. uh, because it's very closely related to notions of uh, the normal and the abnormal mm-hmm. and which sort of span uh, across uh, uh, many different facets of uh, a life of a human being so dsm assumes a certain norm Which yeah, but it's, it's it sort of establishes uh, certain norms of acceptable behavior and what is not acceptable behavior, and that uh, has been uh, there is enough uh, for us to read to show that uh, it sort of changes uh, over periods of time. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, the Do you mean over life phases, over the life of an individual? Over the uh, uh, more, of course, over the life of an individual, but also across uh, ages. You know, across if ages. I can, uh, yeah. if I can call it that. Sure. So it changes and it varies from uh, society to society. Mm-hmm. so of course there is as uh, alok said that there is a uh, you know a certain concern uh, with the problem as such mm-hmm. uh, but this uh, the the formula 
definition of the problem and what is considered as a problem mm-hmm. is very closely related to this basic fundamental uh, sort of feature, if I can call it that, with a lot of sure. uh, you know hesitation sure. uh, within uh, human thinking, which tends to uh, divide things into what is acceptable and not acceptable, sure. you know, normal, abnormal, whatever axis you want to place it. Sure. So, uh, so within this uh, sort of uh, binary uh, pattern so of when, thinking, when, when did the mentally ill turn abnormal? Was there a point in time several centuries ago when it was all right uh, to be? You know, the uh, I mean, the, a lot of it has to do with the uh, with the with the wording itself because yeah. uh, we are currently using uh, English words. Yes. Uh, uh, earlier, uh, you know, if you look at classical textbooks, and they related to say Greek words or to uh, Roman words or to Latin words. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sometimes we try to transpose them to our culture, so we try to sure. relate it to say Sanskrit words or words which you use in common parlance and say and try to draw an equivalence between them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if you look at, uh, you know, uh, phenomenological studies or a little bit what uh, the type of work which Bhargavi has done, mm-hmm. you will find that uh, the meaning of the words uh, tend to vary uh, with people, situation, context, cultures and so on. Certainly. And uh, therefore, uh, you know, to be slightly uh, slightly careful so about we're not talking of the transposing word. that. We're not talking of the word, we're talking of the condition, if one can call it a condition. Yes, so the that's, thing, whatever the yeah, thing so is. that's what I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the designation of a thing mm-hmm. or, or the naming of it is very uh, intimately related to the uh, formulation of the problem itself. Certainly. You know, Certainly. So, so what you consider as a problem and what you do not consider as a problem mm-hmm. is very an integral part of the uh, of the naming of it. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you know, uh, this question of yours regarding madness mm-hmm. is something that can be uh, connected to uh, a certain uh, phase, you know, or a certain way of uh, explicating this uh, problem. However, if you want to take it as a as a sort of a basket category, you know, sure. uh, with a sort of a common and received uh, understanding that all of us tend to have, sure. uh, then uh, very clearly uh, this is something that is, uh, you know, has a much uh, wider uh, sort of import, you know, mm-hmm. a minor connotation. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it has been, uh, you know, uh, varying over a uh, period of time. Now, whether you want to address it, what we today call clinically, or we want to extrapolate uh, back into the past and say people had addressed it clinically mm-hmm. because they did X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. and therefore it was a clinical response. Uh, that is, in a sense, uh, us sort of reading back into the past. That what we consider as clinics today, there is some resemblance of what we do today to what people had done in the past. How far back? Uh, 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 I mean, uh, textbooks of psychiatry go to 3000 BC, you know. 3000 BC? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you read, uh, you know, books on uh, histories of psychiatry in India, mm-hmm. I mean, they go back right up to the uh, Upanishads and uh, quote uh, cite quotations from uh, the ancient Indian texts, you know. So something so, which is, but when I, I, you use the word clinics, you don't use the word asylum. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's because I was picking up the thread from Alok's uh, sure. because he concentrated uh, specifically on a very uh, clinical uh, tool, technique and an approach, the DSM sure. and the ICD. Sure. So I was picking up the thing from uh, there, sure. you know. Sure. That's why I was using uh, the word. But know? have mental asylums always been there? Certainly not, right? I mean, when did that institution come to be? Well, I mean, if you want it specifically, then it came in uh, with the British and the French. In, into uh, India, uh, but uh, I'm just yeah, saying into, into the world. Yes, into, into 
very much into uh, parlance itself it was there with the british and the french the word uh, mental the term mental asylum you know mm-hmm. so uh, previous to that there were the uh, workhouses mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, it was decided that people having a certain type of behavioral pattern mm-hmm. uh, could be confined to certain institutions which they would call an asylum you know mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the generic word asylum is of course refuge you know where uh, people are asylum, generated to get uh, to seek asylum in that yeah. sense of the term yeah. Yeah. but uh, you add the word the prefix mental and then you uh, use this you know but does so it have connotations much, of a prison or it is it has connotations of a reform house if, if uh, this, you know uh, this itself has changed over time i mm. mean uh, initially uh, the response uh, towards uh, i'm i'm broadly talking about europe now sure uh, uh, the response uh, was largely to sort of uh, Uh, keep people outside cities or mm. keep them you know chained or keep them in very uh, strong uh, sort of centers of confinement mm. uh, which could be at your homes also but mm. the uh, the idea was also to keep them out of the uh, cities also and to uh, let them roam around in the countryside and so on it is only later that uh, there was a reform movement which took place roughly around the time of the victorian age in england mm-hmm. and in france mm-hmm. where it was decided that uh, you know what is required is not harsh treatment overtly harsh treatment mm-hmm. but what was known as care of the soul you know mm-hmm. so the idea was that uh, you know there would be uh, an encouragement of the patients to uh, basically uh, reflect upon themselves with the help of people who are slightly trained in that art mm-hmm. uh, to see what could be the reasons for the problems and to uh, sort of ruminate over them so therefore taking care of the physical part of the patient was an integral part of this approach. that's interesting part of response interesting i think there's some interesting ideas developing bargavi we come to you what is madness to you you heard a few things from alok in Yeah. Partha, we have the benefit of having someone who's experience of that. Yeah, so um, I'm actually part. What, do these things make any sense to you at all? Yeah, you yeah. Wind, wind I, I'm very back. much, uh, you know, uh, processing what's being said by Alok and and Partha, and uh, um, I don't think there is a huge gap in mm-hmm. the line of thinking. There mm-hmm. are definitely differences in how. we kind of uh, um got our frames you know in different slots mm-hmm. um but i think we are moving in somewhat of a synergy um that's um, interesting yeah but i don't want to gloss over the differences which sure. is very important and uh, if i were to say okay uh did i ever consider myself or any of my peers um who have been through mental illness mm-hmm. as uh, having a mental illness mm-hmm. i would say it depends on who is interpreting that question for yeah. me you know yeah. what i went through was a clear existential crisis it mm-hmm. was a spiritual crisis mm-hmm. it was a crisis which was brought on by many years of social deprivation emotional deprivation within my household right and uh, if you ask me whether i'd like to be called mad or mentally ill i'd say i'd prefer to be called mad rather than mentally ill because that's very interesting part because that's not for me it was never a disease right. you know because i was right. and i think for foundation for some a young person to occupy that space of madness mm-hmm. is also a space of resistance mm-hmm. critical inquiry however weird it may look from the outside world for hours and hours i could just sit in my room you know not speak to anybody and if somebody confronts me or talks to me i would stammer and mumble but what are the questions in a phase yeah. like that um one is about life and death does god exist 
um is she my mother you know um it could be simple things like is she my mother really or am i an adopted child um why was i born uh, because there's nobody to care for me you know so these are the kind of questions that people have these are my questions these are, everybody yeah. has their we'll own, own set of questions yeah. um and to occupy that space of madness is the stepping stone to growth as an adult human being Mm. right and uh, so to find out like why am i here on this earth because you know lifetime is measurable mm-hmm. um and where am i heading uh, what do i need to do in order to conserve my energies and make the best possible use of time that i have on planet earth so these are the kind of questions for me and for me it's like a question of But identity do you seem like fairly clear questions though i mean it was not artic- like this when of course not, it's right? not like this it was like all tears and fears and cuttings and you know wanderings sure. and all kinds of stuff mm. um um uh, but I think on hindsight, if somebody has said, "Would you prefer to have been treated with antidepressants or antipsychotics, and uh, not be allowed to, you know, uh, experience what you did?" Because it took you, I took four years to kick my depression. Four years, and it was painful, right? And mm. I would say yes. I was glad that I did not have those antidepressants because the lessons that I learned about myself and my micro world. in mm. those four years that's irreplaceable you know and that's what makes me what i am that's what makes bapu trust what it is whatever it is i i'm sure that it has its own um you know public um uh, public uh, imagination what bapu trust occupies within the mental health sector um uh, but for me i think that these these were really foundational for living my life Um, on my own terms and if for a second we take you out of the equation a bit bhargavi and just ask it in a somewhat theoretical way is all madness interpersonal is, is all madness social and does it have to do with the fact partha maybe um, you may have something to say to that does it have to do the fact that we live in a society with our expectations what is it linked to why do we go mad Well, I think that Bhargavi to, to responds. Any of you, to any of you, to all, 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 all three of you. Yes. So, why uh, does one go mad, Alok? Sure. What happens? So, the <clears throat> let me uh, try and answer this sideways and uh, please. Uh, sideways uh, is welcome. Uh, so, firstly, there is there is no one history. Of course, there's no nine ways the, in which to go mad. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and and whatever it is that we're talking about, whether it be talking about the history of. asylum or whether the history of mental illness or the way that mental illness is viewed or the way that uh, madness is viewed there is no one history of course okay. there are multiple tellings of the tale as it were yes so the asylum actually was an asylum at some points of time it was a refuge it was a refuge that's very there interesting are, there are wonderful how should i say heartwarming stories of let us say the kanki mental hospital the uh, uh, the, the in indian mm-hmm. mental hospital in ranchi where <clears throat> somebody who is uh, suffering from let what we would in clinical terms call delusional depression so mm-hmm. this man says that i want to kill myself and i want to commit suicide by killing myself and i'm going to starve myself to death mm-hmm. the medical superintendent comes in and 
this was a time when there were some remedies available and there were many remedies that were not available which is pretty much true even now there are some remedies that are available some which work some which don't work many which don't work many which perhaps work but what is done is that they actually dress up a part of the staff because he says that i'm going to kill myself uh-huh. i'm going to starve myself to death unless the governor general of bengal Uh. comes in and <laughs> asks me to eat mm. so they actually dress up somebody you can do a charade and can... do a charade uh, and it works it works for a bit it mm-hmm. doesn't work ultimately <clears throat> but this is also a place which is doing all of this right the same hospital or let me not uh, specify hospital but the fact that mental hospitals were later perhaps then also different hospitals but later and in their histories places of both brutality and squalor where huge amounts of abuse happened which then brought about <clears throat> self reflexive corrections uh the moral treatment of pinel uh that Partha is talking about the <clears throat> carting away of huge bullock loads, uh, bullock cart loads worth of chains and uh, uh, metal tethers from the uh, Lahore hospital in uh, by Lodge Patch, uh, Berkeley Hill, and Thunji Boy doing this in Ranchi. So all of this was happening. good things were happening bad things were happening the the question is not as i said of of one uh, telling so for me to say that look this is what madness is or this is what mental illness is uh, is is not just a, a simplifying or a dumbing down of of four or five things yeah there will be many many people yeah who have like bhargavi says uh without shall i say the or how should i put it the questionable blessings of psychiatry uh done extremely well yeah and have had wonderful journeys of recovery yeah. of uh of finding well being yeah and there are many many people who, who have not have not and there are many many people who have taken medication and bless the medication there are many people who have taken medication and suffered yeah and who have had side effects so there will be no there are false positives false negatives Absolutely. it's all around yeah so there will be a multiplicity of tellings now why is there a multiplicity because like all endeavor it is not one mm-hmm. uh our our understandings of what cause mental illness of what caused the disorder are very far uh, from being perfect we psychiatry as i said is one of the youngest disciplines it's also one of the most Let rapidly growing let me ask a question i asked a while ago yeah. does it have to do with the fact that we are essentially social beings oh okay so if there was one reason for why we go mad what is that one reason i'm not sure that uh, of course we yeah, mentioned there is can, no one reason you we can't, agree that you can't but it is interestingly the one disorder which while it happens to the individual actually manifests in 
more often than not in the interpersonal space. Right. It manifests in in the way that I deal with people, the way that I react to people, the way that I hear people who may or may not be talking to me, the way that I feel that people are thinking about me, whether they yeah, are it, or not. It manifests itself outside you almost. It manifests almost in the between besides mm, me which besides is why me. the the original meaning of the word paranoid mm. is para means beside mm. noise is mind <laughs> the the <laughs> word paranoid today the is by usage of being suspicious yeah but the original meaning of the word paranoid is of that of a mind beside itself mm. Mm. and so psych- psychiatric disorder or psychiatric illness actually manifests in many ways while a disorder of the self manifests itself outside of of self in this interspaces between human beings and perhaps this has to do with the social which is not to say that it doesn't happen so the fact that animals can get depressed yeah and you know there's a wonderful book which says why when elephants weep yeah uh, about clearly everybody who's had a pet knows that pets can go through grief reactions yeah there was a a lot of the uh 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 the development of so these are linked to like notions of relatedness rootedness stuff, things like that absolutely and the very and, foundational and, and, and the fact mm. that many organisms will be interlinked in in many different ways mm. uh, uh we know for a fact and mm. the fact that this will then affect the manifestation of both mm. affect and emotion and you know and many many other things is is actually quite clear it's very interesting partha why don't we bring in the notion of power to all this um if we lived in a world which was flat all of us were at obviously i'm putting it very simplistically where does power come into all this uh Uh, let me just get uh, to this in in a couple of seconds sure but uh, maybe i'll uh, let me link it with alok so that it will be Please. slightly uh, sure. flowy you know sure. uh, uh, a, a couple of things one is of course that uh, you know the uh, multiple uh, ways of looking at history and the phenomena itself mm. uh, that is of course uh, you know more uh, you know acceptable proposition mm-hmm. uh, but this is also uh, the thing that we have to be alert about this multiplicity mm-hmm. is that this multiplicity arises from the uh philosophical perspectives that we adopt to uh, uh you know conceptualize a certain thing as a problem mm-hmm. so it's it's from the position that we take the perspective that we adopt mm-hmm. uh, which enables us to uh, uh, recognize something as as a particular issue you know mm-hmm. so uh, uh, to repeat what i had said earlier mm-hmm. uh, that uh, the link uh, the naming of a thing uh, originates from, from the perspective that you take uh, yeah. very often this is also secondly very closely connected also to uh the uh, sort of uh, two deeply held beliefs that you hold you know yeah. uh, which can come from many different sources uh, you know uh, cosmologies which can occur in different ways yeah. but uh, essentially run down to uh, some of these deeply held beliefs uh, more often than not not very systematically organized sometimes uh, partially systematically organized which l- lead us to uh, formulate certain Uh, perspectives or opinions about uh, you know mm. w- what can be considered as an issue you know mm. so uh, therefore uh, for instance uh, you know how to basically uh, lo- uh, look at something like an asylum mm. uh, does not originate with that question 
mm-hmm. the question predates it mm-hmm. with the formulation of something as an asylum itself mm-hmm. that is when people decide and discuss that yes it's always better to put people first into it is ca- first the asylum comes to be then it is named an asylum yeah, uh, yeah. In, in the no no in, in the formulation of the asylum itself mm-hmm. you name it as such mm-hmm. uh, but then you do it because you have certain ideas about how the problem has to be addressed of course so so yeah. uh, all so the origin of the debate uh, takes place there but then it also takes place because you distinguish yourself uh, from uh, the current practice or from some correct I- current ideas about uh, how it can be handled and accordingly you formulate uh, something as a response to the asylum now uh, naturally uh, you know uh, within that discourse itself there are uh, there could be a multiple uh, uh, sort of uh, reasonings uh, which enable you to formulate something the response as an asylum uh-huh. within the formulation of the asylum itself uh, but then what happens is that over a period of time uh, people also reinterpret this uh, discourse or these multiple stories also very differently on the basis of different uh, you know perspectives of philosophies or cosmologies or give it any t- uh, name you know so uh, in this specific uh, context what do you mean when you say reinterpret uh, let's say the notion meaning of they read back they read back uh, you know the history of the asylum itself according to the position that they hold yeah. so yeah. that can be quite different right. uh, from the uh, from the uh, those who sort of originally formulated the notion of the asylum of course. which itself is one narrative but this could be other narratives which can be reinterpreted back right uh, that's right. Uh, that's the first thing the right. second thing is that like, uh, you know you asked this thing about uh, the interpersonal or the intersocial part of it yes uh, that that of course is like, uh, very much something which seems to be the hallmark of what you broadly call madness or mental illness mm-hmm. but then uh, that itself is another story because uh, what are the disciplines which uh, sort of enable you to capture this reality you know how how do you actually capture the interpersonal once you start doing that you will realize that you have what are known as the social science disciplines or the humanities which enable you to talk about something outside the brain or outside physiology right mm-hmm. now once you do that then there are again you enter into another conundrum <laughs> how do you understand the formulation of something as a social science or a humanities discipline mm. you see so it's not that it is given So somebody like say for example if you take something like sociology mm. somebody like August Comte or Durkheim mm. uh, basically says that well I'm I'm naming something like this as sociology mm. so so the term emerges logos mm. of society the term emerges mm. and they try to define it as in a certain way mm. but the way they define it is itself a specific story mm. because for example with the case of all the social science disciplines is part of the response to the emergence of science mm. you know european society at the time of the enlightenment mm. and they basically say that okay you got to import the mechanisms uh, methods and the orientation of science mm. in order to understand the 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 so called social domain of a human being mm. and therefore emerges psychology sociology uh, you know political science so they call it a social science, science. so they call it a social science, science. yeah you that's have it. to be scientific they call it a scientific mm. they call it a social science so that's 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 so that's that's not itself that's that's itself giving a name to itself you see 
Yeah. So so therefore when That's you very interesting. so yeah. when you want to self reflex uh, yeah so when you want to give a story the social part of the story in the case of mental illness or madness you usually come from a certain perspective from a certain narrative which is this so if you see a mad fakir on the road partha who has no idea about science has yeah. never heard of einstein yeah. has doesn't know anything about it yeah what is his phenomenology like it is what it is um what exactly does the theory do to the experience let's say for the person going mad or for the person yeah. who is in that phase maybe you could come to that after you close your thought yeah no no it's very closely related to what i was saying mm. so what i was saying was trying to say something regarding the question that you asked mm. uh, because it was very interesting the way alok uh, sort of placed it mm. because uh, you see what happens is then that when you try to understand the social domain mm. uh, you you usually have a recourse to uh, the usual okay, you know social science disciplines mm. so for example uh, you know the dsm global domain mm. uh, for example which looks at the global functioning of the person interpersonal mm. the social and so on mm. how would you be able to get access to that domain in terms of knowledge in terms of understanding how do you access then that? then you shop around and you try to take a look at what social sciences have to say and things like that <laughs> see how it relates to physiological functioning and try to come to uh, some sort of an understanding but then there are other ways of looking at the social other than what is strictly social science for example there have been other perspectives such as what? on the social i mean for example you have uh, structuralism you have existentialism uh, you have your psychoanalysis uh, you know so many different ways of looking at the social other than what we really understand by the social science sure so therefore what happens to the social domain and how to relate it to physiology becomes a it's a gigantic task so this addressing this thing about theory and experience then mm. is that what happens then is that uh, it's a question of how uh, the person uh, is able to articulate that experience so what are the uh, you know the concepts the tools the techniques that the person uses either to articulate it himself or herself which to a certain extent always gets done and uh, largely because of uh, you know uh, power equations what happens is that we articulate it for them right you know we we try and tell them that look uh, i think that the this best way to make sense uh, of your experience is this mm. now necessarily uh, uh, the position should be agnostic i what think what do you have to say to that alok i mean do you articulate the condition for a patient um it's interesting we use the word articulation i mean when you went through the phase you went through bargavi you don't necessarily dip into the personal but is articulation a big part of it um do you have to understand often, your experience um you obviously experience it um, but what does that yeah. have to do with it yeah i've been thinking a lot about that since uh, parto spoke about social sciences and the use mm. i don't think there can be any one overarching theory sure right which can sure. explain this particular aspect of human experience um when you've really touched a rock bottom uh, you know and then you need those steps to come back to yourself again but while you're there do you know it's the rock bottom yeah you do you, you uh, know it's the rock you bottom you do and let me say that a huge discipline which all of us who've been through this experience latch on to mm-hmm. is literary studies mm. because of creative works because of writing of poetry because of engaging in narratives because of trying to retrieve our personhood through our own storytelling so contrary to the legal perspective and the 
mainstream dominant perspective mm. that a person who's in fact I often joke you know at the height of my madness I got two books published by sage <laughs> <laughs> let me be mad you know mm. so and it you you want that space for and that's where the social comes in in another way you know you you, mm. you want even though a part of you shies away from society shies away from public spaces and so on you you want spaces for expression which are sensitive which are safe you know and which are which acknowledges the fact that neurodiversity exists in human communities yeah. you cannot try to bring just this part of the brain alive in all populations you know there is this part and there is that part there is the creative part there is a spiritual part there is a sexual part you know there are there is the, the neurodiversity is a very important concept which is coming up so madness right. is not localized in the head um no it's not i mean it's mind and body and it's a cartesian thing that you know you can look at just the brain and do something with it and i know allak will tell you that even something like a uh, antidepressant or like serotonin for example they say talk about serotonin as an imbalance um um it's not 95% of serotonin is found in the body only 5% is found in the brain you know allak and when you kind of intervene thinking that you're going to adjust the chemical imbalance in the brain mm-hmm. then it kind of so my point is that we have to talk about neurodiversity mm-hmm. right and you've got to talk about multiplicity of human experiences which can be caught by literary social spiritual discourses and which cannot be caught by the so called hardwired sciences right and so this has to be acknowledged i'm not saying do away with the hardwired sciences sure. you know, they have a in fact i would say in some ways that people are moving towards if you look at the what's happening within the um american psychiatric association they are coming up with integrative psychiatry Mm. where you have a little bit of metabolic sciences like nutrition and stuff then you have general sciences is like is that tokenism is that just the flavor of the season no it's not it's, it's not really it's happening. gone into protocol as far as depression is concerned i mm-hmm. would say very firmly that mm-hmm. it's a metabolic disease mm-hmm. and so it i would say that some sciences which are looking at a mental illness through the dsm are not biological enough mm. they are not biological enough, enough. yeah because mm. the pathways are not worked out mm. whereas today you know proteins you know your oils the way food is manufactured the way food is consumed you know mm. the high cereal content of our foods mm. this causes depression and diabetes why do you find everywhere where there's diabetes you find a depression mm. let's let's yeah. let's link that up hello so what do you have the, to say to that so the three things here one is uh, diversity and uh, actually diversity is just that that there is diversity so there is a a huge space for the articulation of let us say the lived experience mm-hmm. and there is hand in hand has to go with this has to go the understanding that there will be many people <clears throat> who will be going through that or similar mental disorder will not have that ability to articulate who is going to where is that voice going to be heard so the question is not as to whether the voice of lived experience is valuable or not of mm-hmm. course it is mm-hmm. but and there will be many people who will use that articulative ability to 
achieve restitution and recovery. Mm-hmm. And this is absolute and this is wonderful. Mm-hmm. But there will be many people who are unable to do that. Why is that? Because of the nature of the problem, the nature of the person whom the problem is happening to, the nature of the situation in which that person uh, whom the person is happening to, <clears throat> the problem. So all of these things will play play a role. Sure, so sure. So all of these axes in that sense sure. will play a role in that. Sure, sure. So again, can there be one way of understanding of this? Of course not. Of I course think we are, not. We are very course. clear about that. Sure, sure. So <clears throat> is there... Is, is it largely metabolic? It is partly metabolic. It is partly psychosocial. Serotonin or dopamine has become like God. Nobody has seen uh, serotonin uh, really. But Why do you say that? Because, uh, you see, we are, we are used to thinking of the specific serotonin reuptake inhibitors as the answer to depression. Mm. And we understand very clearly that there will be that it is at best a a small number of people who will respond to the biomedical intervention let us say 35% 40% 60% still will not is it that they will respond to the noradrenergic medicine is it that they will respond to the uh, some different biochemical is it that the problem is electrophysiological. Are you is, able to cure some of your patients? Uh, cure within quotes with placebos. <clears throat> See the okay. So let's step back a little bit and try and understand what cure and uh, treatment. I mean, mm-hmm. when when we speak of uh, infective illness, mm-hmm. we speak of cures. Yeah. If I have typhoid, it is being caused by an external by agent. an external organism. Sure. I go in with an antibiotic with a SWAT team. I wipe out the organism, and you're done. And you know, my encounter specialist has solved the problem for me. Done. That's cure. Yeah. Everything else that human beings suffer from, which is the large part of the afflictions of medical disorder, yeah. is metabolic. As Bhargavi said, they're actually metabolic. Yeah. But metabolic doesn't necessarily mean that, I mean, what is metabolic? It means that something is going wrong Mm. in my metabolism. Mm. It could be the a neurotransmitter defect. It could be a, a, a variation of a neurochemical level. It could be endocrine. It could be the interplay between this and my situation. It could be many, many things. Therein, we actually don't talk in terms of curing diabetes or hypertension or Parkinson's disorder. Sure. So, in that sense, in the in the biomedical sense, psychiatric illness is as metabolic as any of these. Mm-hmm. Do treatments help in many people? Certainly, they do. Mm-hmm. In will they not help in some people? Certainly, they won't. Mm-hmm. Will the treatments have side effects? Certainly, they will. So. That is perhaps how it is best understood. Mm. But Mm. also Mm. clearly has to be understood that only biomedicine in trying to understand psychiatric disorder is hugely limiting because there are many, many other factors which will play a role here. Mm. 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 That's very interesting. Why don't we spend the last uh, 10-15 minutes just wondering about the future of where all of this is headed? 
Partha, where is all of this headed? Um, is 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 madness going to be around thousand years later? Are we going to May sort I say, it out? Uh, in a sorry, yeah, um, I'm yeah. sorry, but uh, I thought I would like to add a little bit to please. your question, which I did not answer. Um, mm. This is about do do we have a master narrative mm. on the causation part? Mm. What causes it? Yeah, so I realized that I. May I respond to that? Please, please. Yeah, uh, for me, I mean, I've been reading quite a lot of uh, Amartya Sen and his capability theory. Mm. Um, and if you ask me, of course, you know, there is interdisciplinarity to how we, and that this conversation is very much evidence of that. You know, mm. you bring in metabolism, you bring in nutrition, you bring in, you know, social theory, you bring in all kinds of stuff, philosophy, of course. Mm. At mm. The, um, but if you want a master narrative, about what makes a complete, happy, purposeful, successful human being. And I guess that's the highest standard, you know, like yes. nirvana yes. Uh, for mental health. And I would say that I would say that capability theory comes to me as a kind of, a, you know... What does it say? Yeah, that human beings have a range of potentials. Mm -hmm. And if they don't realize that, and often in asylums, human beings, they're cut off from capability bit by bit, uh, until they have no opportunity. So earlier it used to be economic theory used to say that it depends on the individual whether they reach success or not, uh, right. whether they reach certain development status or not. But now the theory is that the environment, the, ecolo the human ecology, wherever one is located, mm. has to provide certain opportunities for people to realize, you know, their uh, material, emotional, spiritual, sexual capabilities. Mm. And social, of course, social capability is a huge part of that. So people now are talking about uh, community competence, uh, you know, and things like that. For me, this is really, really a huge so development. So, Bhargavi, you've done a lot of work in the slums, for example. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And, and how is that different? I mean, are, are clearly, you know, one knows a lot of cliches about, well, depression, high-stress lifestyle, yeah, all of yeah. that. but. For us, one change factor, again, this is being extremely reductionistic. Many people have benefited from medication. Many people have benefited by expressing themselves through art-based therapies. Mm -hmm. You know, even the most people who, you know, who you feel that they, they can never say a word. You mm -hmm. know, they've done excellent work with painting, for example. Sure. Um, and, but for us, the one... Why does it work? One change mm -hmm. factor for us is mm -hmm. what we call social capital. Mm. Social capital is to facilitate a therapeutic process or a psychosocial process where a human being is able to express their capacity to connect with another human being or another life form mm. um, and to be able to build relationship with that human being or life form. So, And so this is the most, I mean, we, we've even done evaluation studies of our client base, uh, database and stuff. And for us, we really swear by social capital that human beings are social beings yeah um and if they are completely cut off as happens very often nearly always in asylums mm. uh then you know do people come out of asylums at all Alok, what's the so, scene yeah. <clears throat> so this is uh, in fact uh, i think a very interesting part which is uh, see when we talk of uh, uh and I'll just come to this. When we talk of master narratives, mm. then we are privileging one narrative against the other. Sure. And here into my mind... Well, is, it's a forced question. So one is kind of picking one. Yeah. Which, yeah. yeah. So And herein is is where comes in uh, 
what is called unintended consequence. Yeah, of course. So, do people come out of asylums? Um, <clears throat> so historically, uh, many uh, mental hospitals, uh, many asylums have had become places of uh, where the families would dump people. Yes. And and anybody who went into asylum would never actually come out again. Yeah. What has happened, however, now is that most asylums are closing down. <laughs> and uh, across the West, of course, there is this huge deinstitutionalization movement. And, right. uh, uh, and it's only now that we are figuring out what deinstitutionalization does. Because deinstitutionalization leads to what is called transinstitutionalization. Yes. So the amount of people <laughs> in jails uh, in America far outnumbers, with mental illness, uh, far outnumbers the number of people uh, in, in, mental in mental asylums. Yeah, that makes complete sense, actually. So there is reinstitutionalization. There are private madhouses, mm. uh, which is where the story starts with, mm. in any case, because first there were the private madhouses, then there were the large institutions, mm. then the large institutions closed down. History actually goes in circles. <laughs> so the question is not as to whether institution is good or bad. Yeah. Institution is both good and bad. Yeah. But then all institution is so. Democracy, marriage, uh, education, all of them will have their advantages and disadvantages. The trouble with singularity of narrative is that it misses out on nuancing. So what happens now is that with say the what are called the centers of excellence we are now looking at the large so-called modern mental hospitals or the modern institutes of psychiatry where somebody goes in and comes out in say 21 days or 45 days. Rehab. And, no. Not rehab. A treatment, a treatment. Acute care. Mm. Rehab is, it does not, has been relegated so far into the background <laughs> as to be almost invisible. Mm. So, the fact of the matter is that, again, mental illness is not one. There will be some people who will recover very quick. There will be many, many people, let us say, who don't need to but go But will to it the... always be this way, like thousand years out? I mean, is it is it just a somewhat imperfect... Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, like all illness, will will some cancers recover? Yes. Will some cancers not recover? Yes. Will some people with heart disease... No, sure, but you know, people so, don't die of measles anymore or whatever. I mean, yes. Yeah, so, so, infective illness is, is a separate... Got uh, it. You categorize uh, them separately, sure. Conceptually, uh, a different paradigm. So, future of depression versus future of diabetes, a uh, thousand years out or two thousand years out. That's we, the question in a way. Perhaps we'll have to live with both. Mm. Uh, we... They will change, you know. We've seen that in India, the prevalence of diabetes has increased enormously. Mm. Theoretically, possibly optimistically, it may drop mm. substantially. Mm. Will it disappear? No. Mm. And the same holds true for... And, and we know that this will happen with, 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 say, depression. We know that in specific subgroups, communities, micro-communities, populations, refugees, uh, disadvantaged populations, uh, the the prevalence will will go up or down. Will it disappear? Perhaps not. Mm. Mm. Can we do many, many things to alter that? 
Is mm. social capital important? Of course it is. Sure. Has it been given the amount of importance that it deserves? Certainly not. Mm. In no way whatsoever. Mm. The fact of the matter, however, is again that all of these things that you know maintaining those binaries and not just binaries but many sure. many naries as it were sure. uh, to while while keeping sight of the larger goal is perhaps where the challenge will lie it's interesting partha why don't we jump to you uh, we have a few minutes to go what is the one problem that you would love to get an answer to in the context uh, of uh, what we are I think the about. central issue is basically uh, one of uh, uh, realizing uh, that uh, uh, whatever we say about a certain thing mm. uh, we uh, we are basically saying it from a certain uh, perspective yeah you bring and, your theory and, to and not really uh, sort of uh, speaking about an uh, 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 a truth which is beyond any discussion so and do you uh, consider dsm for example to be a theoretical it's, it's uh, it no it claims itself to be a theoretical it is sure. certainly a theoretical perspective sure uh, uh, but uh, uh, a couple of things very quickly uh, yeah. one is that originally when the movement for deinstitutionalization started in italy mm. it was part of a movement called democratic psychiatria mm. uh, where the idea was that once you close down institutions you, mm. there should be a very solid system of backup in the community mm. technical as well as uh, para technical uh-huh. uh, for uh, for the people who moved back into the community uh-huh. but uh, what happened uh, uh, really is basically that it became a, a source of uh, private business mm. and it also gave an excuse to governments to reduce the budget for public spending on Uh, mental hospitals yeah, because they're not so, productive citizens uh, we, uh, yeah. well i mean uh, so so as a result of this what happened is that what alok had very uh, nicely described that you had more people on the roads uh, more people into crime more more problems taking place and therefore you know more people into back into institutions again recently what has happened is that two things are happening at the same time mm. uh, as a part of cutting down the welfare state there is an effort to reduce uh, institutional care mm. irrespective of the uh, story about deinstitutionalization in psychiatry sure. and at the same time there is also a claim now that we should put people back into institutions whether or not we basically take adequate care of them or not but basically to ensure that they are not on the roads that's like so, locking them away yeah. yes exactly it's a prison so, more than yeah so uh, so uh, talking about discussion of care will come later uh-huh. for the moment this deinstitutional movement is a problem so uh-huh. there is a there is a, a people are talking about deinstitutionalization according to what they wish to do with these people rather than actually being true to the original narrative of uh, deinstitutionalization That's very interesting. so mm-hmm. in a sense the institutionalization movement was never given a fair run in fact at the, from the very moment when the law was passed in italy there, there was a, a section within the italian parliament who started protesting in terms of its rollback and they finally succeeded right. so now that rule does not exist whereby you do institutionalize you actually institutionalize right, right. so 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 therefore uh, it's a bit like uh, in a in a sense it's a bit like uh, liberalization you know uh, uh, the idea is to have a flat world the idea is to have a a market you see yeah. uh, as per adam smith and so on but yeah. you never do that yeah. because you always you know then you uh, manipulate it then you create wto yeah yeah <laughs> then you play wto so so the idea is that you you are uh, you are never true to the narrative that you propose uh, that's as far as this part of the story goes now in terms of uh, the future of course uh, you know uh, th- this is the only thing that i have to say that uh, the 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 idea is to basically recognize mm. uh, that we are trying to articulate 
you know, mm. and we are articulating from certain uh, positions. Mm. The issue is actually deeper than this. When you talked about the theory experience one, mm. uh, it's a question of whether, uh, you know, it is necessary to articulate. Is it you know, necessary? It, it, is it necessary to articulate? Because like, we have always articulated, you see. Yeah. So basically, uh, you know, uh, uh, people who are working at a very fundamental level are trying to understand the process of articulation itself, mm-hmm. uh, what it means. N- not only in the case of uh, madness or mental illness, but in the case of any other human experience. Mm-hmm. The problem becomes much more complicated in the case of madness. Mm. You see, why? So, uh, uh, because uh, the uh, no. the other other side doesn't talk back. Uh, uh, no, yeah. that's that's uh, that, that, that's not necessarily the case. Mm. Uh, for example, uh, uh, for example, if I'm a, a spiritual person, mm. or or for example, uh, you know, if if I'm having another type of experience, I I may not always talk back to you. You see, mm. or I may not answer questions to you. You mm. know, in the type that you want. Mm. For the person asking the question, so the moot point is, why is it that you want to articulate? That's very you see, interesting. Because you feel that there is an aberration. You want to get a grip over it through the process of knowledge, through understanding. So your primary hunger for knowledge or understanding is 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 a sort of an anxiety in you. Knew. You you want to get a <laughs> grip on that because you can't feel easy without getting a grip on this uh, phenomena. What would this you is do, closely, So just one second. So yeah. this is closely related to this to this binary of okay, you know uh, striking a balance. Of of necessarily dividing the, into the world into uh, you know the acceptable and the non acceptable. Right. You call it normal, abnormal, whatever word you use for understood, that. Understood, not understood. This mm-hmm. drive. So to so to understand this drive is basically the core issue. Yeah. Whence does it come from? Why does it come from? Because that drives the uh, anxiety to do it. You see. So we'll end so with one question, Partha. Let's imagine a hypothetical world where it's just you. And one other guy who's metabolically, clinically mad. What would he do? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether the person is... Mad. You are telling me that the person is meta, uh, metabolically or clinically okay. mad. Sure. So but, we, I'll take that back. Yes. You, you, we're there in a hypothetical world yes. on an island where it's you and another person you just don't understand. Yes. Uh, I didn't get your question. I don't what, understand what. You, you don't understand that person. You don't relate to that person. Yes. What would he do? So, so, so the idea is that basically to reflect upon uh, this uh, process because the problem because you not, don't understand each other. Yeah, the problem does not arise because you you, you simply uh, you know for you understanding is not an issue. And either of you could be mad, right? In, in, in a yeah, situation I mean, you like could that. be you you could not be. You yeah. maybe you are not. You don't need to be mad. You don't you, need a label. That's what you're saying. You don't need a label. So basically, this process of understanding itself is something that you know has to be understood and this understanding itself is again many other t- stories yeah it's not one story at all sure. i mean uh, never uh, make that mistake so uh, you know what is understanding what is knowledge that has varied over uh, uh, several times over several decades over centuries you know and uh, this process itself is again very closely political and uh, connected to power because on this basis you told some people that you do not know or that you know less than i yes yes so so you call somebody pagan you call somebody preliterate you call, uh, call somebody pretheoretic yes yes on yes. the basis of this Yes. yes. So it's a combination of this which basically enables you to define what you mean by understanding or knowledge and the necessity of it. It's a symptom of, of something interesting. Very interesting. Please, go ahead. Right, okay, thank you. 
Um, no, I think uh, for me, the most pressing, and it comes a lot from both Alok's work as well as uh, what Partha has been sharing, mm. is I imagine a world where we shared our colonial lens of mm-hmm. looking at certain groups of people mm-hmm. which we have done with women you know which we have done with uh, the, sure. the the dalits the criminal notified tribes have done doing that with now the lesbian gay communities sure so i think persons with mental health problems you know mental disabilities also they have been criminalized because of the existence of many decades if not centuries of colonial perceptions mm-hmm. so i imagine a world where that colonial hangover will lift and it's not just about the mental health system it's also true about the indian university system it's also true about the indian railway system but Mm -hmm. in the case of the mental health system we have provisions where a person um, can be arrested without warrant for example or Mm -hmm. their right to contract can be taken away without Mm -hmm. their having a voice as you said right Mm -hmm. so i would like to say that um, that would be one part of what i imagine um, another part of what I would imagine is that uh, we really need to uh, acknowledge and bring into clinical practice, into therapeutic practice, into community practice, these whole ideas of how to address neurodiversity and capability. But this is the future you wish for. Yeah. My yeah. question is, what is the future? Obviously, no one knows. No the one has a clue. Way, no, no. The way, I mean, he talked about the US, but today you're having about 600, 800. In 1850, you had 37, 30 mental hospitals, mental asylums. Then by uh, post-independence, you had about 47. Now you have 600 to 800. Where? In India? Yeah. Many of them are in private and, you know, um, I'm sure that Alok will vouch for this, but there are many, the licensing has become easier. Mm-hmm. We're talking Your about, easy, yeah, and the new law is coming in, you know, sure. with that licensing becomes easier. And it's handed over in the in the name of liberalization. Uh, many, many it's people. It's privatized. Yeah, it's privatized. So that is probably the reality. But, you know, um, for Bapu Trust, for me personally, um, I have hope because I have to live my life to its fullest. Yes, hope floats. Yeah, and therefore, I want to see vibrant communities where people are able to give love and affection for each other, be there for each other, provide social capital, social support, you know, and... uh, Thank you. Yeah, that's what I... I Thank you. So really appreciate it. Thank you once again to all of you for making it and we look forward to having you soon. Thank you. Thank you. you. Take care. Thank you. You too.